0: A woman realizes her nine-year-old son is missing, and her worst nightmare begins. A Russian man gets a mysterious message on his iPhone, causing him to change his life forever. And then, I'm going to tell you a personal story. Something that happened to me on my birthday, seven years ago. It changed me profoundly. It filled me with a sense of permanent fear. It was the night I met an angel. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I'm recording this episode on October 3rd, but it is officially my birthday episode, October 4th. Joker comes out. I've probably already seen that by the time you're listening to this, maybe. And October 7th, new season of The Walking Dead. Tell me that is not an amazing Jason-filled weekend. I also got a birthday card from my mom. I'm going to open this real quick. I'm going to open it a day early. It says, happy birthday, son. Real original mom, thanks. That's the top. Can't look at you without feeling a surge of pride. She put a little exclamation point there. Can't hear your voice without smiling. She actually listens to the podcast now. She listened to one episode. I'll get into that later. Can't remember you growing up years without a little tug at the heartstrings. Aww. Can't let your birthday go by without reminding you how very much you're loved. My mom likes to underline words that are like special. And then I love you son very much. Praying God's best for you. Love always mom. Happy birthday. Enjoy your special day. And then she sent me some kizash. i Thanks, Mom. You listen to this episode? I don't know. She listened to the military episode, the military special, and she said, Yeah, it was really interesting. It was really funny, but I didn't like that comment you made about the Joker doing something in a cake. Because I talked about the Joker would masturbate in someone's cake. She goes, Yeah, I didn't really like that part because I'm a mom. But I love you, Mom. Thank you so much for your birthday wishes. I always appreciate it. So let's go ahead and move on to our first story. This episode is probably going to be long. It's birthday special. So first off, let's hop in the Carpenter Copter. All of these stories today, I'm going to say this too before we get started. All of my stories today, I personally choose them. And I always personally choose them. But these ones, I think, it, it give me a sense of joy and excitement. So let's start off with the story of a missing child. So we're going to hop in the Carpenter Copter. We are flying out to St. Cloud, Minnesota. It's September 21st. We're flying over this giant uh, race. This giant 5K, 10K race. So it does both. But you have the 5K, which is the shorter track, and then you can keep running and going on the 10K. We're flying over in our helicopter. People People are getting blown away by the rotor blades. Last night I had a dream. There was a horrible plane crash. And I found a foot from the wreckage. And then I found a computer that could convince you to kill yourself. It was really weird. The computer would communicate with you by playing songs kind of like bumblebee but you could just look at the track file for the song like blame it on the rain and you'd be like well it's not the weather's not that bad it was weird and we were trying to hide the computer from the government because if the government got it they would you make people kill themselves with it i don't remember but anyways if there's a plane crash soon stay away from computers we're flying over the the 5k and we're watching this thing now there's this little boy it's creepy that we're watching this dude let's land we land and we get out we're standing in the crowd there's this nine-year-old kid named Cade Lovell, and he's runs all the time. He runs home, he runs to school, he runs around the house, he just runs. He's a runner, right? And so he's like, Mommy, Mommy, I want to do the 5K. And she's like, yeah, sure, last year you actually won the 5K, remember? And he's like, yippee! So he's this little, little, little jock kid, right? And so he wants to run the 5K, and the mom's totally fine with it. But you got like thousands, or it's St. Cloud, Minnesota, you got hundreds of people here, right? And the 5K starts, and Cade Level takes off running with all the other competitors. And the mom's waiting at the finish line for him. She's like, has his orange tang and a camera, or a cell phone instead, because it's <laughs> the year 2019. And she sees a bunch of slow kids. Now, comparatively slow kids, but she's seen a bunch of kids come, and she's like, that's weird. Where's Cade? He's, like, the fastest of all these guys. And it wasn't just kids running the 5K. She, she's seen elderly people cross the finish line before her son. So she starts to get worried, like any mom would. She's like, bear attack? Wasp attack? What happened to this kid? Or more likely, he just fell and scraped his knee. Or more sinisterly, that somebody took him. So she begins trying to ask people, hey, have you seen Cade? Have you seen my son? Have you seen like a nine-year-old boy running around? Nobody has seen the kid. She basically starts running through the crowd. She grabs a runner's number and puts it on her chest. Starts running the 5K. She's like, Cade, Cade. And eventually, the race officials begin putting out the word, hey, we're missing a nine-year-old kid. So everyone's looking for this kid. And that's when it gets back to the mom, uh, we think we just saw your kid, but he's in the 10K. Mom's like, what? He's only supposed to run the 5K. And so she goes to the 10K finish line. She figures some there must have been some sort of mistake. She goes to the 10K finish line, and she sees her son, Running all by himself, and she's like, aww, poor Cade. Like, he totally would have won that 5K, but but look, he got blown away by all those adults. He's running, he's all running all by himself, super sweaty, dude. He's hella panicked, crosses the finish line, and the judges are like, congratulations to Cade, winner of the 10K. He actually was a minute ahead of every other runner in the 10K. And so what happened, the, the mom finally was asked him, hey, what happened to you? Like, how'd you start running the 10K? I was super worried, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I was worried, too. What happened was I was coming up to the corner where you're supposed to get away from, like, so it starts off the same, but at a certain corner, it becomes a 5K, and if you keep going straight, it becomes the 10K. And as I was running, some woman kept going, keep going, keep going, keep going, and she was pointing ahead, and she was like like an official volunteer. She had on, like, the, the, the neon yellow shirt that they give out. She's pointing ahead, keep going, keep going, and he goes, I got confused where I'm supposed to go, So I just kept going. And then I won the 10K. I love that story. I love that story. I don't know. I think, first off, I think it's hilarious that a kid can be that easily confused and then smoke everyone. Oh, and the reason why he beat all the adults. I also thought this detail was hilarious. The reason why he was running so fast, because he was scared. He was scared because he didn't know where he was supposed to be. And he knew his, and he said this in a couple interviews. My mom gets really mad when she gets scared. And I figured if I'm scared, my mom must be terrified. So if I don't get back real quick, my mom's just going to get madder and madder and madder. So he just starts smoking these adults, dude, running as fast as he can. He ended up, his time was 48 minutes, 17 seconds. And he's just like, pff, like straight up Terminator running after a truck full of Sarah Connors. And he gets to the finish line and she gives him a big old hug. And then he went home and took a bath. I don't know why they included that in the article. And sat on the couch or something like that. And then he started running with his friends. So that's the story of Cade Lovell. I love that story. I thought it was hilarious. This next story is another story I just came across. It's the story of a man receiving a... True story of a man receiving a mysterious message on his iPhone. This story is currently being litigated in court. Well, it's currently about to be heard by the court. Let's hop back in. Let's hop into Dead Rabbit Dirigible for this time. So we're going to take a slow, leisurely journey over to Russia. Mother Russia, and there we meet a man named D Razmylov. We'll just call him D for short, and that's actually all I have is just an initial. He's currently suing Apple. He walks in the courtroom. Dun 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 dun. You know, it's so funny. The other day I was looking through the newspaper and I saw the TV guide listings, and I'm looking at all the shows, and I was like, I miss TV. Like I miss actually like turning on a TV and having it play shows and advertisements. It's really weird. I have a sense of... Because I don't watch my TV. My, the reception out here sucks, even for an antenna, and I'm not going to pay for cable. But I remember just so much of my childhood and adulthood, really, just ter- getting home from work, turning on the TV, and just having it play and watching shows. Like Even shows like Two Broke Girls or just like garbage sitcoms, I miss miss that stuff. It's super bizarre, because nowadays I'll just be like, oh, I want to watch a horror movie? I'll just, like, find something online, or I'll watch it on Netflix, or something like that. Like, before you would just turn on the TV, and then you'd, like, be reading a book, and you'd look up, and you're like, whoa, Fallen's Plane, starring Denzel Washington. Like, this is dope. And then you'll watch it for about an hour and a half, and then you'll go back to read it. But yeah, I miss that. It's really, it's a weird, nostalgic thing. Anyways, so that was a People's Court song. That's why I got into that one. The D walks into a court in Russia. And he goes and he says, your honor, here's my case I want to present to you guys. And the judge puts on his little glasses, his little reading glasses, and picks up the paperwork and he looks at it and he goes, is this serious? Like, is this true? You know, this is a joke, right? And D's like, nope, no, it is not, sir. So what happened was D bought an Apple iPhone and that was his first mistake. His second mistake was he downloaded a cryptocurrency app. So he downloads an app onto his phone that was approved by the Apple Store, by the iOS store, whatever it's called. And he's using the cryptocurrency app, and he gets a message. And it says that he's, (laughs) it says that he's received. This is 100% true. I was looking for it. I'm like, is this from Pravda or something? No, they are actual, there's a court filing on this. This guy gets a app, and he gets a message on the app sending him 69 gay coins. That's the actual terminology. It's not that they were coins that happened to be gay. It was like, you know, you have BitBucks or what's the real one that people always freak out because it's not worth anything anymore. Um, what's that thing? The stuff? It's by the main invented by the Japanese guy who doesn't exist. Everyone always talks about it. It's a leading Bitcoin, Bitcoin. So anyways, he gets these gay coins. Just one word, gay coins, right? And there's an English message included with the 69 gay coins that he got. And it says... Do not judge, do not try. I have no idea what that could mean. Honestly, I've tried thinking about it. but the, And this is plausible, the way he came up with it. But he saw that as meaning, don't knock until you try it. So like, don't judge it until you try it. Just the terminology is so weird. Do not judge, comma, do not try. So apparently Yoda is sending out gay coins from a gay bar in Dagoba. So anyways, Yoda sent that out. D gets this message, don't knock until you try it. So this is what, imagine you get that message. If you got this stuff, if you got 60, <laughs> 69 gay coins from an anonymous user, hey, and, and all they said was don't knock until you try it, what would you do? I would go, these coin. my first assumption would be, these coins must be for some other sort of app saying, hey, don't hate the game until you try it. Try out Gay Quest. Put in a gay coin and you get like an extra man on Gay Quest or something like that. I would assume it was something like that. D here said, I thought, this is an actual quote, I thought, indeed, how can I judge something without trying it? And decided to try same-sex relationships. So this guy is suing Apple because he says that Apple made him gay. Here's another quote from him. I can say after the passage of two months that I mired an intimacy with a member of my own sex and can't get out. I have a steady boyfriend. And I don't know how to explain it to my parents. After receiving the aforementioned message, my life has changed for the worse and will never be normal again. So he gets this message. He gets a gay coin. He gets 69 gay coins and a message saying, don't knock until you try it. He then go- he goes, yeah, sure, why not? He goes out and starts blowing dudes. What? That's such a huge leap of logic. Then we fast forward two months he apparently likes it, does it for two months, has a boyfriend, which is a very, very quick time to settle down, dude. You got to play the field for a bit. Gets a message, two months later, he has a boyfriend he can't break up with. He can't break up with this dude. He's keeping this lifestyle from his parents. I'm assuming he's keeping his boyfriend in the dark about this lawsuit. And then he goes, my life is totally screwed up. I will never be normal again. And I can almost guarantee after he filed his paperwork with the court, he went back home to his boyfriend. So he's making choices to stay with this guy. And I wonder if he still has 69 gay coins in his account. So apparently some people are so easily persuaded that if I showed them a picture of a balloon and said, don't knock it until you try it, they will bang the balloon. And of course, it's easy to say this guy was probably gay or had gay leanings before he got the app. But who knows? I, I think I could see someone going, "Yeah, you're right. Don't knock until you try it," and then going out for a weekend and banging a couple dudes and being like, "Yeah, it was okay, but it wasn't really for me." Versus you're in, you're dating another man and then you go, "I need to sue Apple." the The whole story's hilarious to me. Whole story, and you could say maybe the app did brainwash, and maybe there is some computer conspiracy around here. The Apple wants to turn people gay, maybe, but. My favorite part of this story. He's suing them for um, pushing him towards homosexuality. He's suing them for moral suffering and harm to mental health. He's suing Apple for one million rubles. Which in real money is $15,300. So first off, how much is your sexuality worth to you? Like if somebody forced you to change who you're attracted to, is that truly only worth $15,000? But also... How, how busted does your economy have to be? How absolutely ruined is your monetary system that one million of your money equals the same amount that an 18-year-old kid working at McDonald's for a year makes? How bad is your economy? Because when you read one million rubles, you're, think about how much room that would take up in your house versus the kid I order a Big Mac from and he can't even get my order right. I did not know Russia's economy was that bad Someone's like, I'm a millionaire Whenever I read it now about these Russian oligarchs These Russian billionaires I'm thinking, oh, They probably make as much money as like A contractor in America But anyways, the moral of this story The moral of the first story was If someone keeps telling you Keep going, keep going, you can do it Don't stop, stop Because if you don't If you keep going where they want you to go Your mom's going to be mad at you That's the moral of the first story The moral of this story is One Leave Russia because their economy sucks. Two, be careful what apps you open because there may actually be a secret app out there that can change your sexuality. And if they do, you'll only get $15,000 for pain and suffering or in Russia's case, 1 million rubles. Let's go ahead and you know what? And actually, I want to go ahead and do a Dead Rabbit Recommends right now. Now, I'm only going to be able to get away with this one on my birthday. I know that. It is a horror movie in a sense. And you guys are going to be like, I'm never watching that, Jason. I'm never going to watch that. A couple years ago, Disney Channel made a movie called Disney's Zombies. And I've watched a lot of that stuff. I watched a lot of it back when I was a babysitter. I watched, like, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody and really got into that. And I've watched, I remember once, I think I told you guys a story, I went on a date with a Mormon girl. But the dad wouldn't let us actually go on a date the first couple times, so I would just go over to her house and her mom would make me cookies and we'd sit on her couch and we'd watch television with the dad. I'm in my 20s at this point. I'm like 24, 25. I think she was like 19 or something like that. But anyways, the point is, is that I remember the first time I went over there and I sit on the couch. The dad's like, eh, you know, we're, you guys can't go out. You guys got to sit down and watch television with me. And I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. I'm eating cookies. I really don't care what we're doing. I'm sitting there. I'm eating cookies. And they put on this Disney channel. I think he was doing this to, to like get rid of me. He turns on the Disney Channel, because she had they, was, they were Mormons, so they had like 15 kids. They put on the Disney Channel, and there was a bunch of other little kids running around. And he turns it on, and I'm watching it. And within five minutes, I was laughing so hard. I don't remember what the movie was. It was, it was something to do. It wasn't a switching body one. I don't, it was some scientific gadget that had been created. I was laughing so hard, I was spitting cookies out of my mouth. I thought it was hilarious. And I remember after the date. I said, hey, I, I, I gotta go. And I remember watching more Disney Channel movies after that. And a lot of them are actually pretty funny. Most of them are, are kind of weak, but a lot of them are pretty funny. What, the one with the kids who built this machine that allowed them to go back in time. And they, like, were driving. A, they wore the um, clock stoppers. They would wear these special suits to hide their identity. And they'd go back in time to prevent kids from getting embarrassed. It was interesting because they are basically vigilantes. But it's in a high school and it's a Disney Channel movie. So instead of like fighting crime, they're fighting like kids getting spaghetti on their dress. Really well put together story. And I've watched a lot of those. So I was excited and I love zombies and I enjoy Disney Channel movies. So I was like, this, has, this is going to be a train wreck. Descendants, I don't like. I don't like a lot of the newer stuff. But I was like, this movie is going to stink. So it's a musical about zombies and humans going to high school together. Train wreck. I put it in, it might be one of the most bizarre movies I've ever seen. Like, structurally, it's weird. You have, what's weird about it is you can, it's well, it's a well-made movie. There's like, and I have a low bar for that, but there are things like establishing shots and you're introducing characters in the right order, because I watch a lot of bad movies, so you notice when that stuff is missing. Characters have clear motivations, but what's interesting is that Character will start off with their character arc, and then they will come to a realization, and then they'll make a different decision than you would have made. And that happens constantly. So you don't understand why the characters are doing what they're doing. But when you step back and make sense for the character, everyone comes to a crossroad in their life. And if someone was watching you and they'd go, Oh, that's weird, I would have made a different decision. But we're so used to seeing the right decision made, especially in a movie. Especially my main characters, that it would be like if Luke saw Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen burned, and he's like, "Eh," and just walked away, and you would have a different movie at that point. You would have them go, "No, no, no, you got to come back," and he's like, "Nah, I'm fine." And then he would be a true reluctant hero. That's this movie, like in a nutshell. It's it's basically a basically a post-racial society where all ethnicities get along, but humans hate zombies, and zombies are very leery of humans. They're actual zombies, by the way. There's references throughout the movie to them eating people. Eating people's brains. That, you know, I don't trust zombies. One of them ate my uncle or bit my uncle's ear off and stuff like that. Zombies live in a ghetto. The humans live in this beautiful pastel-colored neighborhood. It's musical numbers galore. And then subplots that involve things like allegory for steroid use, which just completely goes in the weirdest direction possible. There's a allusion to, like, a school shooter slash uh, school bombing that totally just goes in a bizarre direction. Gera- the Disney Channel movie, by the way. Got to keep reminding you of that. Absolutely bizarre. And then by the end of the movie, I remember watching the I've only watched it once. I I think the magic will leave me if I watch it a second time because I've watched it, and I just am like, I have no idea. I felt like I was stoned watching it. And when it ended, the the credits are rolling, and I'm like, What? just happened. Like, nothing happened the way I thought it was going to happen. Even the ending dance number, I was like, what? Absolutely mind-boggling. Great, great movie. So if you're looking for something, it's horror because there's zombies, and it would be scary if you were six. If you're looking for an unusual movie to watch this weekend, see if you can track down Disney zombies. You can get it on DVD, but it's just a really bizarre movie. And I, I don't, you know, the couple of the other movies I've recommended are kind of like those quiet horror movies you just kind of want to watch alone. You don't want to watch Deep Down with a bunch of buddies because it's just kind of a, a, a weird solo movie. That's what this movie is, too. This isn't a movie you want to put on in the background at a party. If you really want to appreciate it, you kind of want to put it on and watch it. Cause, so you can, like, just weird dialogue choices. It's just so bizarre. There's a black coach who, and I don't want to keep talking about it, but there's this black football coach. The main zombie, Zed, wants to join the football team. Black football coach. And when they're talking about him joining the football team, and they show the coach, I go, oh, it's going to be a thing. Like, I understand the struggle. Like, my uncle tried to get in. My great-grandpa tried getting into Louisville A&U, and he couldn't, he couldn't play, but I understand. No, the coach is like, I don't break barriers. I follow trends. I'm not going to take a chance on anybody. I'm not that type of guy. So he actually acknowledges in a way the Remember the Titans story. He He acknowledges that it would be groundbreaking for him to have someone of a different race on his team, but he's flat out refusing to do it. It would have been one thing if he says, no, son, you're not good enough. You got to get better. But he acknowledges the fact that there is like racial animosity between humans and zombies, and that's why he won't put them on the team. And you had a black coach delivering those lines, and I'm like, what is going on with this movie? So bizarre. It's a. I don't like to use the word post-racial a lot, but that's almost the only way you can describe the setting for this movie. It's absolutely bizarre. Again, he didn't have to acknowledge the race, and I wouldn't have even thought twice about it. But the fact that he started saying, no, you're a different race, so I won't put you on my team, even though I'm a different ethnicity, and I used to not be able to even be in a school, I'm not going to break barriers. That's not the type of guy I am. And then the zombie starts doing, basically, steroids, and the coach lets him on the team. Absolutely bizarre movie. Absolutely bizarre movie. And actively defends him from investigation. It's so weird, man. Okay, let's go ahead, though, and move on to a, a story. A story that I actually mentioned, uh, I mentioned it quite a few episodes ago. I think it was like season four finale or something like that. And I actually was planning on saving this one until the end of the show. I thought, you know what, I'm not going to tell this story until I cancel the show or until the show ends. But then I thought about it and I thought, this is actually the perfect time for a couple reasons. One, it happened on my birthday. Two, it happened seven years ago on my birthday, and with the whole time reset conspiracy that we talked about a couple episodes ago, which is hilarious now that it's passed, people online are like, how come my life didn't reset? Because it was fake, dude. Like, you have to get a mental filter for this stuff, but I thought, it's been seven years, It's on my. the story takes place on my birthday. Let me tell you the story. I had moved up the previous year, so we're in Hood River, we're in the sleepy little town of Hood River, Oregon. I moved up here in October of 2011. It is now October 2012, and I'm up in my bedroom looking down at Wasco Street, the, sh- the creepiest street in the world, and I'm just, I like, I do a lot of birthday stuff by myself, like this, uh, this year I'm going out to go see Joker, I did get a couple of my local buddies, Ear Bardo, he listens to the show, and then my buddy Jacob, we're all going to go see Joker, but a lot of times I spend birthday, I spend a lot of time by myself, and I, do, I really enjoy it, and so that birthday I was spending by myself at night. And I am super excited because I saw that the new horror movie, VHS, is on television. And I was like, that's weird. I didn't even know that movie was released yet. But it was on, like, Shudder, or it was on some horror channel. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I'm going to watch VHS. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to goof around online. Then go to sleep. Probably, like, 2, 3 in the morning. And so... I'm sitting in my big comfy recliner and I turn on television. It's probably like 9 or 10 o'clock at this point. I turn on television. I start watching VHS. I was really, really into this horror anthology movie. I used to watch a ton of horror movies, a ton of them. I'm watching it and I watch the first segment. And I go, oh, that's pretty good. It's about like a vampire succubus or something like that. And then I'm watching the second segment and it's about these honeymooners, the this young couple who are on a road trip and there's this mysterious woman following them. And then um, they murder the boyfriend. And it turns out the two girls are lesbians. And that's kind of the end of the, the horror story. But I'm watching it. And this point is probably like nine thirty, ten thirty. I don't remember when it started. But I'm watching it. And they get to the scene where the man's sleeping in bed. And it's all like first-person camcorder, this short story. And they plunge the knife right into the dude's neck. And he's like... Wah, 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 and blood's dribbling out. And it's just this long shot. And I remember being unusually disgusted and disturbed by that now here's the thing there if you've been on the internet long enough and if you probably if you're in a certain age range you've seen i hate to bring this up because you guys probably be like oh damn it jason i forgot about the video most of us have seen that video though of that chechenian soldier getting stabbed in the neck with by the russian it's a real video with dudes laying on the ground and the guy sticks the knife right into his neck blood gushes out the v- the VHS killing looked pretty similar. A lot of times special effects people will steady snuff, not snuff videos, but steady videos of people actually dying. But um, I don't think, I'd seen that video years ago and it was like, ew. And then just went on to whatever I was doing, eating SpaghettiOs and watching Dale's Rescue Rangers, whatever it was. And I think if anyone spend any large amount of time on the internet, eventually they come across gross stuff like that. Other than just answering their email and going to Facebook. If you're ever, like, just clicking on news articles and stuff, you see people get smashed into cars and get chewed up by escalators and all sorts of stuff. So, fall down elevators, all that. So, anyways, I'm watching VHS, though, and I see that scene, and I really disgusted me. And I didn't really, I just felt like that's, that was too much. It's too much. I think I was 36. If I'm... So what's... I'm going to be 43. So seven years ago would... be Yeah, I would be 36. And I was like, eh, what? Like, it, I thought it was weird that I had that type of reaction to it. But I shut the movie off. Shut the movie off. And I said, eh. eh kind of fiddled around on my computer. Stop watching it. So this all happened on October 4th. This story, this story here happened on October 4th. So my birthday. And so I end up going to sleep. And around... Four or five in the morning. I don't even know if I could classify a time to this, right? I'm laying in my recliner and I wake up. Now, what's interesting about this story, and to be fair, this would be something I would use to debunk anyone telling a story like this. There is no proof that I'm actually awake. Could 100% be a dream. However, the stuff that happens after it makes me question that. I'm, I'm sleeping in my recliner, as I usually do. I sleep on couches and recliners. And I'm sleeping on my side and I wake up. I'm looking out my bedroom window into the dark street of Wasco, and I see in the middle of the street, so probably a good, I don't know, 40, 50 feet away, I see a little glowing light, probably about two inches tall. It was like, maybe a little, maybe about four inches tall, because I'm kind of making it with my hand. It was like this glowing ball of light, and I could perceive something in the light, like a a figure, a, a figurine. So at this point, I think I'm still dreaming. And in real life, I was like, oh, I must be dreaming. This isn't real. And I see this little light start to get closer and move very, very slowly towards me. But what was weird out of this, there are multiple weird details, but as it's moving closer to me, it doesn't change size. So if it's something's really four inches and it's 40 feet away, as it's getting closer and closer to you, it will get bigger. That's just the way vision works and distance. But as it got closer and closer to me, it stayed four inches tall. I'm just laying there with my eyes open looking at this thing. It's floating closer and closer and closer and closer to me. And then, and right when it gets to basically outside my window, it goes. (laughs) And I'm standing in this white room. And it was, was, I don't even know if I was standing. I was just in a white room and I just heard this. (laughs) And standing there. It's so weird, I can't even use terms like in front of me, just you were aware of this, was an angel. It was how I would perceive an angel. It was a blonde-haired woman in white robes. Now, I should have explained this part at the beginning, because some of you guys know this, and some of you guys don't. The reason why I brought up the angel story a long time ago, I was talking about where I was... fighting shadow people or something like that and what i did and it was this I, I i don't know how i came up with this idea or why i even thought it would work but apparently it did it's i think that was a the, the demon the shadow people was it the demons surround us no it wasn't that episode sorry guys should be more prepared but anyways go back just listen to every episode of 10 Rabbit radio you'll find it i talked about where i took a part of my soul and, like, it sounds so cringy when I talk about it, but basically, like, removed a little piece of my soul and made it into, like, a thought weapon, like a psychic weapon. Because I figured if my soul is indestructible and blessed by God, then, therefore, anything from my soul should also be the same. So if I can meditate on taking a piece of my soul out and turning it into a weapon, a sword, then it would basically be the equivalent of punching someone with your soul or stabbing someone with your soul. So I did that when I was in my early 20s. And I also did the same thing and made myself like a little shield because I was I used to be 10 toes deep into hunting ghosts, trying to summon demons and punch them in the face and all sorts of just nonsense, right? Not that hunting ghosts is nonsense, but thinking that you can summon a demon and then kick in the nuts is the height of stupidity. But anyways, so I, and I encountered shadow people and all sorts of monsters and goblins, stuff like that. So I figured I needed some sort of defenses. So I took a little piece of my soul and meditated on it and did work on it and all that stuff. And over the course of weeks, I made this thought sword. It wasn't real. It didn't actually exist. I wasn't walking around with a hilt like at the Ren Fair. This was something that I made out of my mind. A Tulpa weapon. And I had a shield too. So that existed. And I always would use that. It was basically, I guess, another, it would be like a security blanket. It was very, very odd, det- uh, very odd thing. It does sound very cringy when I talk about it. But let's jump back to the present. I'm standing in this white room. I'm in a white room. There's this angel in front of me. And she's holding a toy wooden sword and a toy wooden shield. And then she gives them to me. And she takes the sword and shield that I made. So as she's handing me this toy sword and this toy shield made of wood, she's taking away these things that I had made 14, 15 years ago out of meditating and and visualizing a piece of my soul coming out and forging it and doing all of this work. She takes those from me and gives me the, the toys of a child pretending to be at war. And she basically takes like two chunks of my soul. And then she's right next to my ear. And she's standing there and she whispers into my ear I can hear and then I'm laying there on my recliner and the sun's coming up I remember I told that story to Lana and she goes what did the angel say and I go I don't know I don't remember I, I tried remembering immediately what the angel was saying to me whispering in my ear I have no idea And I've gone over that event a lot. And you're like, well, that's weird, Jason. Just had a dream. We're just getting started. Well, we're almost near the end. (laughs) We're not just getting started. But I've tried figuring out what that encounter meant over the years. It terrified me so much, I didn't want to be alone on my next few birthdays. I I was afraid it was going to come back. And you go, Jason, what's so terrifying about that? Well, ever since then, I've had this really weird thing. Where I've become, people who know me, especially when I was younger, knew I'm fairly empathetic. But nowadays, it's almost paralyzing sometimes. When I'm reading the newspaper, I kind of mentioned this in the military episode when I was talking about the ISIS soldiers getting blown away. I said, guys, listen, I know these people have families and mothers and fathers who love them and first loves and stuff like that. But they're bad guys. And then I go on to proceed how the British dude just blows their heads off with a shotgun. I cannot read any sort of news account or hear any sort of story or even watch a fictional horror movie or action movie or whatever without completely empathizing with every single person in that movie. And that's not a superpower. Other people can do it. But for me, since that encounter, it's become tenfold. When I read an article about somebody getting killed, whether or not they are the bad guy, like let's take those ISIS soldiers, for example. And I had that comment and it sounded like a throwaway comment, but... That kid, he, his mom was cradling, I can picture all of this stuff, the mom cradling the little baby boy, him getting his feelings hurt at school one day, and kind of throwing rocks against the car, and then someone out getting in trouble, his first kiss, his first love, when he feels the sun on his face, his favorite comic book, and then BAM! Shotgun to the head as he's trying to build a suicide vest. That happens to me all the time. I'm not visualizing it. I'm not hallucinating. But I, my my empathetic feelings are in overload right now. To the point where even when I watch like an action movie. And Terminator's just like gunning down security guards. I'm like, oh my god, they have families. Those people had lives just like mine. They had hopes and dreams and aspirations. They had first loves and breakups. And they sat in the living room crying in the dark one night. With spaghetti stains on their shirt. Every human goes through those things. It's just super bizarre. But... I've also been instilled with a sense of dread and fear that I've never had before in my life. Have, I don't want to say no fear. There were certain things I feared. I wasn't a fan of heights. I wasn't a fan of water. But I would go into rough neighborhoods and start trouble. And I wouldn't have a problem. Someone says, you got a problem? I say, yeah, you. Like, I had no problem being an open jerk and courting danger at any point in my life. Until that. After that, I have become a different person, less reckless. And and people could go, well, that's a good thing. You're maturing. But to me, it feels like such a core part of my identity is gone. Because I used to just not care at all. When I keep saying fearful, I don't even really think that's right. Re- fearful and being less reckless are good things. My anxiety attacks are, have been sky high since then. Like anxiety attacks I've never had before. Have been happening since this encounter. Like I just feel like I'm constantly under threat from something. I wake up basically with an anxiety attack. And for the most part it hasn't gone away since. So when I say fearful I'm meaning more like that. I'm not scared of the spooky spooky. Well I'm scared of the spooky spooky woods. But it's not like a fearfulness like a Scooby Doo. It's more of just like this every muscle in my body is constantly tightened. Waiting for something that won't come. So it's more anxiety than fearfulness. And it's not a good level of, oh, I'm going to be careful. It's more like, I have to be careful, otherwise I can die at any moment. It's that level of anxiety slash fear. Primal fear, not spooky, spooky fear. Now, it's possible that this is all just stuff that's normal with growing up. And since I'm growing up for the first time, this is something everyone goes through. But it feels like such a core part of my identity Was lost that night. And an additional part was added on. I.e. just being too tuned in to people. I talk a lot and when I say oh yeah I read a lot of true crime. I used to read a lot of true crime. That's the reason why I stopped. I just couldn't, couldn't enjoy it anymore. Because I'm reading about these victims and I can't help but seeing every point in their life. It sucked all the entertainment value out of people being murdered for me. And it's funny because I always wondered what the symbolism was of me getting the toy sword and the toy shield. And it's funny because I know what it is. I, know, I knew what it was then. And I always tried finding an alternative answer because I don't like the answer. And that's the funny thing a lot of times when we analyze stuff. We have to be honest with the answers we get. The reason why those things were taken from, assuming any of this is real. Again assuming it's totally not a dream and it just happened happened at a time where I had this big awakening and I was turning 36 and I assuming any of this is real I was given those items be and taken i the 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 sword and shield that I made were taken away from me and I was given these toy sword and shield for one of two reasons actually I've always I've always thought maybe it's because God is saying that I don't need any of these fancy weapons, any of these fancy thought forms to fight demons or monsters, that God's power over darkness is strong enough that even a toy sword and shield can destroy them. You don't need this mega blade that you built out of your soul. That's the answer I want to believe, but I don't think that's what it meant. I think, I think that what that shield and sword represent is you're a little boy. You're a very, very little boy. And if you think that you're ready for what's coming, you deserve little boy toys. If you think in any way, shape, or form you're ready for challenges that may await you with these things that you built with your brain, if you think any of these things will do you any good, you're a dumb little child who deserves dumb little toys. You know, I want to say this too. This isn't an ARG. This isn't a fake narrative that i'm building up over the course of the seasons or anything like that i, w- I want to be clear on that as far as that story is that story ended that night there is no follow-up where i see like a dark shadow in the corner and he's like you think you're ready for me none of that like all of these stories are fairly self-contained i don't want you to think oh great he's building up to some big narrative that at the end if we donate to his patreon he can fight Orth or whatever no, these are all just kind of independent moments in my life. But I but I think that that's why I got the Toy Sword and Shield. That I think, I think of myself as kind of this big bad warrior guy. But I'm just a little boy. And it's funny because that's the first time I've said that out loud. And now that I think about it, that would make me fearful. If I thought I was this big bad rough street fighter tumbler dude. Because I've gotten in a few scrapes. But none of that... Is pre- there's nothing that has happened in my life that's preparing me for what may come in the future. And that would make you fearful, actually. I never thought about that. Having, being told that you're not ready would make you fearful. So I wonder if those two things were connected. Yeah, never really made that connection. Because I've only told this story to maybe like three people. I told it to Lana. I told it to Jenny. I think maybe only two people. If it was a dream, it was a life-changing dream, and people have those. And people may say, Jason, you're actually a better person now because you're less reckless. I'm definitely a different person than I was October 3rd, 2012, to October 4th, 2012. I'm different. My thought patterns are different. The way I look at the world is different. The way I look at myself is different. Could just be a normal factor of aging. Could be that I was visited by an angel. And other people have encounters with angels, near death experiences, and stuff like that. I've thought, yeah, what if I had a near death experience? What if I had a heart attack or something, and this was my second chance? I don't know. People's personalities tend to change after near death experiences, but other people have told me stories, and I've read stories about people seeing angels and their lives changing for the better. But I don't really look at it as the better. I just feel different. The empathy is almost crippling. People will tell me a horrible story, and to them, they're like, "Isn't that awful?" And I'm like. Yeah, that's the worst story I've ever heard in my life. I don't tell them that. Because I know people tell horrible stories because they have to get it off their chest. But I don't go, oh my god, why'd you tell me that horrible, horrible story? But it, just, I, it affects me. Whereas before, I totally would have forgotten about it. Again, might be a normal thing of aging. The being less reckless is most likely a normal form of aging. The angel visit could have just been a dream. But all three of those things have... Oh, and I forgot to tell you the actually. There's one more piece here. We'll end on this. This could easily be debunked as well, but I've tried very, very hard to debunk this part. So I said I was watching VHS on my birthday, and I go, that's weird. It didn't come out yet. VHS, it was released on Video On Demand on August 22nd, okay? It was released at theaters for a limited run on October 5th. According to the internet, it was never shown on cable television. Unless you did your video on demand. It was not shown. It wasn't even released until the next day. Now, to be fair, there could have been some special run on Shutter They wanted to show it the day before and got permission. But that is not listed at all that I could find on the internet. So to make this whole story even weirder, I watched a movie on a cable channel the day before it was released at the movie theater. And it wasn't, I didn't do video on demand. It was on Shutter. It was on just a station. I turned on the TV and I watched it. I almost forgot that detail. Again, it's just a whole weird thing. So happy birthday, Jason. Seven years after meeting an angel. I got to admit, I got to admit, my birthdays still make me a little nervous. Because I don't know what's going to happen if it comes back. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal, conspiracy, and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys, and happy birthday to me. Woo! Happy birthday, Jason. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving you guys all high fives. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll see you guys next week.